everyone and welcome to another episode of the podcast series called Heartbeat. I'm your host Leonora. I'm a I'm a music lover, I'm a I'm a radio show producer and all things are artistic um here in Cyprus in the Mediterranean. Um uh, this podcast I wanted to say that aims to showcase the the finest examples of bitcoin uh, and bitcoiners around the world uh which brings me to my lovely guest today uh we have uh, Anita Ebney with us who is working as an educator at the first bitcoin education center in Honduras called uh Amity Age is that correct yes that is correct that's correct thank you for having me I'm so glad to be here Uh we are very glad to have you as well uh Anita welcome. Um uh, how are you feeling today? You're good? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. This is my very first podcast. So that's awesome. That, that's an honor. That's an honor for me. It's an honor for me for you guys to invite me. Um I want to get straight into the first Bitcoin Education Center in Honduras. Like we said it's called Amity Age Academy. Um, do you want to tell me why that name? So um, our founder wanted to just do something a little different. You know, everything, something Bitcoin this or Bitcoin that. Um, but he, the philosophy that he has, what Amity means, and it's not a well-known word, um, is like cooperation and friendship. So it's the age of cooperation, the age of friendship. And he really just wanted to... Um, It, you know, you guys have love is Bitcoin, so I really want to sort of express that feeling and that philosophy of how Bitcoin brings people together across the world, and we're sort of uh, ushering in that age of, of cooperation and friendship with Bitcoiners. Okay. Uh, do you want to tell me what whose whose idea was it to start this um, education center? So we have an amazing founder. His name is Dushan Matuska, and he's from Slovakia. Um, he's a young entrepreneur. And he actually just came to Rotan. He was already a Bitcoin educator in Slovakia and had several different projects going. Um, was very successful. And he came to Rotan with his girlfriend just on vacation. And there was a conference going on, a Prospera Summit, that was allowing entrepreneurs to do just sort of a pitch, a, a cold run pitch of any uh, business ideas that they might have. And he had heard a little bit about Prospera. Mm. Um, which is a special jurisdiction. It's a free city here on the island of Roatan that runs under its own government, separate from the Honduran government. And he really didn't know much about it. He was a little uh, suspicious, thought it might be something scammy, but he was very curious, so he decided to show up to the summit and pitch his idea. And lo and behold, um, there's this you know, beautiful infrastructure here, amazing buildings, a lovely beach. This is also known as Pristine Bay and It very much suits the name Christine. Um, so he pitched his idea at the summit uh, for a Bitcoin education center here in Roatan. And as he was leaving with his girlfriend, getting ready to go snorkeling, um, he was stopped by Eric Freiman, uh, one of our main CEOs and founders here at Prospera. And he said, hey, what are you doing this afternoon? And he said, well, I'm going snorkeling with my girlfriend. And he said, well, how about you hang out and talk with me? And so um, they discussed a little further his idea. Brought us to our beautiful building, which I'm not sure if you guys have ever seen. Um, some of the pictures I sent you, you'll have to 
Dr. Petra, it's got the best view on the island, arguably, really I say just unequivocally the best view on the island, and it's absolutely stunning. So here we are. Uh, fast forward, that was um, a year and a half ago in, in the spring, and we opened our doors in September of last year, and um, we're growing every day. I, I have heard about the view. I didn't see it. I, I did check the Instagram account and I, I saw a lot of things that you do, like the classes and the and the Bitcoin uh, cafe as well, which we're going to talk about in a bit. But uh, but yeah, I've been hearing about that view and I really, really uh, I feel jealous. I want to I want to see it. You need to come visit us. Come visit us. Well, yeah. Let's I would love to. Um, uh, can you tell me a little bit what what's the aim of this uh, education center and who is it for? So our mission statement seems like an incredibly lofty goal when I say it out loud, but our goal is to educate 100 million people on Bitcoin by 2030, which I know sounds incredibly ambitious, um, but we don't intend to do it just here in this center on this island. Right? So we want to create educators out of the community. Um, we actually plan to do, uh, I, I actually started as a student myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the very first Teachers Academy, and we plan to hold many more of those. So we plan to bring people from other places in the world to teach them so they can go back into their communities and teach Bitcoin as well. So just really have sort of a, a domino effect of, the more people that we teach, we teach them to teach as well. We're also really focused on the youth, on school workshops. Um, we've taught just shy of a thousand students here on the island and the mainland. Uh, we start with financial literacy courses, so it's not just like a full-blown indoctrination into Bitcoin. We really want to teach them about the history of money and the properties of money. And once you teach those teach them those things, then why Bitcoin makes so much more sense. And that's not something that you learn in school. Financial literacy, financial education is not part of the curriculum from what I understand anywhere in the world. Not no, in America it, where I'm from, not here in Honduras. So it, it's really not. It's not it's really not. And um it does give you a good perspective um on everything really if uh, like um Finance and, and the economy is such an important, it, it gets influenced by everything and it, it influences everything. It affects everything. Um, so it's important to know. It's really important to know. And um, I, myself, we have said this before um, with George Sauliedis as well, the founder of Lab is Bitcoin, um, that I'm learning in public actually about Bitcoin because I, um, I don't know much about it. And once I started digging a little bit uh, to find anything I could find really to make sense of it, I realized that I don't know much about economy and that's, um, that's something that you actually need to know uh, in, order, in order to understand how the world works, I think, and then realize the importance of Bitcoin. Well, it's crazy because Bitcoin has that effect, that rabbit hole effect, because uh, frankly, I had no interest in anything in that arena at all for most of my life, for over four decades of life. Uh, my background is in psychology and counseling. Oh, wow. I was an educator 
previously prior to getting into Bitcoin, but I was an educator for um, domestic violence offenders. I ran a domestic violence agency, uh, a batter's intervention program. And so it was nowhere in my wheelhouse, anything to do with finances or the economy. And it was only when I became a Bitcoin investor that it seems like the, the natural progression is to go down that rabbit hole of learning about money and how the world works and history and properties. It's just, it seems inevitable, uh, an inevitable part of the journey. Yeah. So you talked about um, a little bit about your background and you told us that you, you're, you're a, you're American, right? Yes. You can yeah. probably tell by my accent. Yeah. Yeah. You're Texas. <laughs> Um, uh, I've been, sorry, you're from Texas, you said? Originally from Texas. I moved here from Oklahoma. Try not to admit that out loud, but it is home, so. <laughs> okay, okay. So what, what actually made you go to Honduras and specifically Roatan? So, crazy story and, and so much serendipity involved. Um, I met my husband about three years ago, and we were both just working nine-to-five jobs. Like I said, I was running a batter's intervention program. He was a heavy equipment operator, and when we decided to move in together, I had sold a house um, that I had a fair amount of equity in, and I didn't really know what to do with the money. I wanted to invest it wisely, and I'd been hearing about Bitcoin for a while, and it was sort of the bottom of the market in 2020. So... I sort of dipped my toes in and things started going well and I, I put a little more in and my husband put some in and, and it, we did really well with it. So when I very first met him, it was funny when we first started dating, um, he had sort of a caveat for us dating and that was that he wanted to move to an island one day, live on an island and be a diver. And I was like, okay, I can handle that. That's, that's decent stipulation. Um, so as you all know, pardon you said be a diver. A diver, yes. Like oh, a, wow. a Patty certified diver, yes. So I never dove in my life. He'd done some discoveries, scuba dives on vacations in the past. Uh, so right about that time was when COVID hit and everything was being shut down in the States. My kids weren't getting to go to school. They basically gone almost two years without getting a, a, a real education. And uh, him and I had come here on vacation. So I really fell in love with the place. I did a discovery scuba dive. It was just gorgeous paradise, certainly compared to Northeast Oklahoma. And so when we came back from our vacation, I said, you know what? Let's not wait. Let's just do it. Because before it was just one of those, well, maybe in 10 years, maybe in 15 years, you know, maybe when the kids go off to college. Um, but with everything that was going on in the world, the world was just going crazy upside down and everyone was in lockdown. We'd make some money in Bitcoin. I said, let's just do it. Let's make it happen. So we literally sold uh, sold two houses, sold everything we owned, our cars. Um, each of us packed three bags, and we flew to Rotan. And wow. literally, we had no clue that Prospera existed. We had no clue that there was a Bitcoin citadel being built here. Um, we simply came here to live on a tropical island and learn to die. Wow. So, once I arrived here, of course, I'm like, surely there's other Bitcoiners, you know, on Rotan. So I started looking around the Facebook pages and social media pages. And, of course, there was a small community here. And Deshaun Matuska, our founder, had made a post that he was uh, hosting a teacher's academy. Mm-hmm. And there was going to be an opportunity, a job opportunity uh, at the close of that academy. And so 
I attended the academy and he chose me to uh, the position. And here I am. Wow, that's amazing. What a what an amazing story. So basically, you were into Bitcoin before you got uh, to Honduras. What? Yeah, so I was an investor, and but as with anything I do in life, I'm kind of like all or nothing. So if I'm going to put my, my money into it, my livelihood, my, my savings, then I'm not just going to be a passive investor. I was doing my best to educate myself. Um, and I've come a long way self-educating. But I've learned so, so much more working with Deshaun and working at the academy and, and becoming an educator. Um, you learn so much more by being a teacher. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. George always uh, told me that uh, <laughs> during our process of educating myself and him helping me, he was like, um, you, you only truly know something if you're able to teach it to somebody else. Um, absolutely. So- I, I realized that myself, like, you can think you know something in your head and feel like you have a good concept of it, but then the true test is when you go and try to explain it and articulate it to someone else in a way that they can understand it as well. And especially so, for children. Yeah. I wanted to ask about Amity Age Academy, back to it. Who is it for? Who are the students? And what kind of people are you trying to educate? What is the aim exactly? I mean, it's truly for everyone, but we're focusing here on the island with islanders, with um, local students. So we do workshops, some at the private schools for the expat children, um, but we go into the schools like we actually did a workshop a couple of months ago, my colleague Suzelle, on a very small island, St. Helena, where there's literally no running water, um, barely electricity, no cars on the island. Certainly no banks on the island, um, but they actually, we could do a Bitcoin transaction there. And you kind of might ask yourself, well, you know, like, what good does it do them? Um, you know, the idea is to build an economy. One of the things that we've actually done is have fundraisers. Uh, so using Bitcoin, um, we raised over $3,000, which is, that was just our first start. We plan to, to do bigger things for them to help them build the, rebuild the infrastructure of the school where they can have running water, where they, their buildings are completely dilapidated and unsafe. So we're trying to start with fundraising and helping out these communities to be in a better position so that they can receive a better education, all, all their education, not just Bitcoin education or financial literacy. But they are truly the unbanked. So to give them another option to be able to have their own financial system within their island and build, we're building a circular economy here. So um, in addition to doing the workshops, the school workshops, we have onboarded over 50 businesses on the island to accept Bitcoin. And we have everything from a dentist to an optometrist, uh, an electronics store, parts store, every restaurant you can think of. We even have a tattoo shop. Um, we haven't met our, our two big goals that we still haven't quite reached, but I'm going to get there is a grocery store and then Rico, which is the uh, the electricity company. Oh. So if we could get those two entities, you could truly live on the Bitcoin standard. We have all sorts of landlords that are accepting rent in Bitcoin. Almost every service imaginable here on the island. So we feel like that if we can achieve that, if we can build a full Bitcoin circular economy and educate the people here on Bitcoin, how to use it, 
the philosophy behind it, then when, you know, as we all know, the world is changing. There's a lot of big, big things happening in, in economies all over the world. Um, shifts are being made to CBDCs, you know, central bank digital currencies. And we want people to be prepared to have freedom over their own money. Yeah. But this is just our, our sort of center starting point and the epicenter of what we're doing. Really what we're doing is for truly everybody in the world. We, we really want to educate as many people as possible to really understand Bitcoin and, and why Bitcoin, why it's important. Um, okay, so you tell us why. But firstly, I want to, I've been meaning to ask you this specifically, why Bitcoin? But before we get into that, I, wanna, I wanted to ask you, what's the first thing you teach somebody? How, wh- like, where do you even start from? The very first thing, and this is for myself included, when I came to the Teachers Academy here with Deshaun, what was just eye-opening for me was learning about the history of money and the properties of money. Mm -hmm. Because the way we think of money is in just such a, you know, abstract way. It's just, it's just a piece of paper, right? And nobody, for the most part, we just know we go to work, we get money, we, we put it in the bank, we put it in our purse or our wallet. We spend it, it buys us what we need. But we really don't understand what money truly is, um, what the properties of money that make good money, what what backs it or rather what doesn't back it. What, yeah, what because it, 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 it started one way and then it just ended up being a little piece of paper, like you said, without right. having to back it. So we, we start literally from bartering to Bitcoin with the kids. Um, I even, I did a workshop just the other day and I do a little activity with them with trading cards where I give them, I make them pretend they're like back in the pioneer days and they have cards with fuel and wood and cows and pigs and, you know, everything that you would need to survive, you know, as a pioneer and divide them into groups and make them do a little bartering game and see who can end up with their basic needs to survive. Um, and it's a fun little activity that the kids do. It gives them a concept of sort of the, the challenges that present, you know, the coincidence of needs and why, although bartering is, you know, from a philosophical perspective, it's probably the purest thing you can think of as a medium of exchange. But the bigger the world gets and because of the coincidence of needs, it's just not a practical solution in the world today for, you know, for money or a medium of exchange. Um, so we go from that and we just go through the complete history, commodities, uh, monetary metals, uh, metal-backed money, and our current fiat system. And then we talk about CBDCs and we talk about Bitcoin. And we talk about the main differences between CBDCs and Bitcoin and that, you know, all those CBDCs are digital currency like Bitcoin. One is centralized and one is decentralized and what the implications of that are. Uh, and we really focus on why, with using the properties of money and teaching them the properties of money, we break down each one of those iterations throughout history and where they failed, you know, what property they were lacking um, and, and why they failed. Okay, that's very, that's very interesting. Um, when you say kids, what, what age? I'm interested. What age are you talking about? So everything from third graders to college kids. Now, when we talk about the little kids, we really keep it very simple. We'll read them the Bitcoin money book. Are you familiar with the Bitcoin money book? With the the Bitcoin what, sorry? The the Bitcoin money book. 
a little storybook uh, about Alice and all the kids, and they basically just have, you know, starting from their little lemonade stand in their in their neighborhood, and you know, having issues with bartering, and it basically does the same idea, the same, but just tells it in a story, a very condensed, cute little story. So if I'm dealing with younger kids, say third to fourth grade, maybe fifth grade. We'll just simply read them that book and give them a very basic introduction so we don't go too in-depth. Um, then I did another workshop uh, with Guidepost Montessori the other day where they had already received the Bitcoin money book. So they had had a very small introduction with the storybook, and I just kept it as simple as reading the book, answering questions. And then I followed it up with a history of money and properties of money. But I sort of scaled it down and made it, you know, very simplified the concepts, just made them very, very basic. And I was amazed at how much um, feedback that the kids had and how many questions and really how, how many of the concepts they understood and were able to elaborate on and ask meaningful questions about. Um, and, and anything sixth grade and up, I, I feel comfortable giving them a pretty full history of money and properties of money curriculum. Okay, that's cool. On the Amity Age profile on Instagram, I, I noticed a post with you and a colleague of yours where it said that you are working towards helping a company that wants to utilize Bitcoin for money transfer because they had a bunch of issues sending payroll overseas with high fees and all that, long waiting times, and he decided to approach you. And he said, can Bitcoin fix this? And of course it can. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Like how and um, is this something obviously that you provide as a service at the Amadei age? So it wasn't originally something that was on our radar as a service to provide until we were approached. Um, but of course, once we were approached, we were like, absolutely, Bitcoin can fix this. Um, so, yes, there was a gentleman who had a, a political polling company out of the United States, and his call centers are based in a couple different places, the Philippines being one of them, and he had a lot of difficulty transferring money from the U.S. to the Philippines. Extremely high fees, lots of issues with the money just not arriving, uh, certainly not arriving in a timely manner. So, yes, we, we uh, utilized uh, several different tools, um, one being the pouch wallet, mm-hmm. and helped him to establish a Bitcoin base. We're actually still in the process of full implementation of that, but, um, yes, and we're, we're training his employees in his HR department as well. So okay. Very, very cool. This, this might sound like a dumb question, but um, so for this specific example, do the employees need to have um, are are they getting paid in Bitcoin and or or do they need they are getting paid in Bitcoin but then they have like a uh, a transaction? No, sorry, what's the question? But I'm trying. To- I think I know what you're trying to get at. So to maybe answer your question, there's multiple solutions, wallet solutions out there. Um, and the one we're using is does this that allows the employee, if they don't want exposure to Bitcoin, right. they don't want to be susceptible to the volatility. Once the employee or whoever the sender is sends it as Bitcoin, it automatically converts to their local currency and directly deposits it into their bank. That's what I wanted to ask. So they're not, yeah, they're not forced to be um, ex- exposed to it. They're not forced to be holders or um, have to worry about volatility. It gets 
directly converted to their local currency and goes directly into their bank accounts. Okay. And we actually have, we're, more and more wallets are being developed that way to, to give that option to people. Okay. There's another one that um, we use here in, in Honduras. It's BitPost. It's uh, from CoinCake, CoinCake's creators. And we can use that for our Honduran clients as well. And the businesses that we onboard here, if they don't want to hold Bitcoin or they don't want to have that exposure, then they can just get it directly in, in the Paris and go straight to their bank account. Mm, okay. We always hope that people will become Bitcoiners and want to hold it. But just to get people, you know, get their toes wet and get them yeah. being part of the economy, we're totally okay with that if that's the option that they need inside. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think now it's a good time to ask what makes Bitcoin special? Like why why Bitcoin out of all the other coins? Oh, there's so many out of all the other coins or just out of everything? <laughs> well, oh, well, that's an interesting point. That's actually an interesting point. So uh, obviously two of the main reasons for me personally is the decentralization. Um, and the limited supply. You know, uh, inflation is wreaking havoc globally right now. We are seeing the, the just profound effects that inflation is having on almost every economy in the world. Uh, economies are collapsing left and right. Uh, I haven't been in America in almost, I guess, two years now, but when I left America, I could buy a dozen eggs for around $2. And I've been told by my family, it's about $7 a dozen for eggs right now. So uh, inflation is a huge, huge problem. And Bitcoin, as we all know, is a limited supply. There will never be more than 21 million. So I think that's, that's absolutely critical. When we look at all of our different properties of money, I think scarcity, you know, if I had, they're all important, of course. But if, if I had to pick one of the most important aspects or one of the most important properties, it would be scarcity. Um, so absolutely, I, I want I would say that that is my number one, one reason why Bitcoin. Because it was interesting when I was doing the financial literacy workshop, I made a little chart for the kids with all different assets. I mean, made like a cow, and chocolate, and a diamond, and just cash, fiat today, and Bitcoin, and had them go down the list and check off the properties. And you know, okay, is it, is it check this box if it meets this criteria? When we looked at some of the other options, they sounded okay. They sounded like they might make okay money, um, except for when it came to that scarcity aspect. Mm -hmm. And then when we discussed CBDCs, um, once again, people were like, oh, okay, well, you know, it's, it's all these different things. It's portable. It's divisible. You know, it's all, it met most of the criteria, but one, it's, it's centralized, so the government can print just as much of it, just like they can print cash, fiat dollars. And then we had another element that's not in our properties of money, but it's a very important consideration when we talk about central bank digital currencies. And that's the aspect of control. That's the aspect of decentralization and separation of money and state. And this is why I truly, truly love Bitcoin, is the freedom that it entails. You know, as an American living here in Honduras, I can't tell you the number of times where I've been absolutely humiliated or embarrassed. I remember going to get my hair hair done one day, and I did not realize that the salon only took cash. So mm -hmm. I had to, like, promise them, like, I'm not ripping you off. I'll be right back. I'm going to go to the ATM, and I'm going to get cash, and I'm going to come back. 
So I ran down to the ATM and the ATM rejected my card. So I had to call the bank and they're like, well, why are you spending money in Honduras? What is this about? We've blocked all these transactions. And I'm like, this is my money. I should not have to explain to you why I want to spend my money. And this never happens with Bitcoin, right? It's it's completely permissionless. Um, So to me, those are the two primary aspects of Bitcoin, why Bitcoin. Right, right. And of course, you know, it ticks all the other boxes except one, which is acceptability. And that is one of our missions and our goals here is to that that one little piece of the the story or that one little fraction uh, that's missing to make good money of all the properties is acceptability. So that's that's my goal. Our goal here at Amity Age is to help that along. You you mentioned an ATM, although obviously you you were talking about uh, fiat money ATMs, but um, I I know there's uh, Bitcoin ATMs as well. What does that do? What does that even look like? And it's just a, it's just such a weird concept for me. Can you explain it a little bit, please? So we actually have the one and only Bitcoin ATM on Roatan. There are some on the mainland of Honduras, but we have the only one here on the island. And literally, you. Scan your QR code. You you know you put in the amount that you want to buy or sell, the, the wallet that you want it to go to, and that's it. It can either spit you out U.S. dollars, or if you're buying, it transfers Bitcoin directly into your wallet. Oh. And it's as simple as that. And with ATMs, they're not all created equal. Bitcoin ATMs, there's KYC and non-KYC. And of course, you know we're all about freedom and privacy. So our preference is, of course, the non-KYC ATMs. What's what? Um, sorry, what's non-KYC? So KYC is an acronym for Know Your Customer, oh. uh, which is the jargon used by the traditional banking system for you know them collecting your driver's license, your address, social security number, any identifying information that they need to report to their government. In the case of the U.S., the IRS, the tax authorities, so that they, you know, know what you have, what you're spending, so that they can tax you accordingly. So, yeah, um, lots of most of the Bitcoin ATMs in the United States are KYC, Mm -hmm. meaning before I can utilize it, I have to scan my driver's license, put in all my personal information, or I cannot use the machine. Uh, Fortunately, we uh, have have. Uh, non-KYC ATM, um, which we are allowed that privilege because we're under the umbrella of Prospera, which mm-hmm. is the special jurisdiction here in Honduras. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I, I mean, it, it, it will sound like an obvious question, but I, I want to hear you talk about it. Why is it important that people get educated in Bitcoin? I mean, for Bitcoin, uh, what is the biggest benefit? Obviously, one answer would be, I'm assuming, to not get scammed and to invest. That's a huge one. We deal with scams all the time here on the island. And it puts sort of a bad taste in people's mouth that that's their first experience with cryptocurrency or yeah. Bitcoin, then they can be turned off for forever, forevermore. So, and that's one of the things we do here with our education. We we do lots of workshops and meetups specific to trying to educate people on scams. Literally just had a guy come in here three days ago wanting to buy USDC so that he could put it on some scammy site because he's getting telegram messages from some beautiful woman who's telling him 
you know, send $2,000 to this account and we're going to 10x your money in two weeks. And, you know, it's just a nightmare. So you, you nailed it. That's, that's a totally valid and probably top five reason for, um, for educating people. The other thing is, is that, you know, we are so, it's so ingrained. Our traditional financial system is so ingrained in us and it's easy and it's what we know. It's what we all understand. And really the truth be told, uh, we don't, most of us consumers, uh, just regular citizens don't know much about our financial system. We don't know the deep, the technology that's going on behind the scenes. Uh, we don't really understand the banking system or credit cards or visa or how any of that works. We just get money and we spend money. Yeah. Um, and I think it's okay. Like if I go and I onboard a business and they're like, okay, sure, we'll do it. You know, this is an easy way to take payments. Maybe it'll bring in more customers. It doesn't charge me a, the same fee like the credit card company does. I'm, I'm on, I'm, I'm on board. Sign me up. That's all good and well. But if they don't get the true education and they don't understand that, that why Bitcoin about the inflation, about the decentralization, the trustless, permissionless, and the freedom of Bitcoin, the separation of money at the state. If they don't really understand those concepts, I don't think they'll ever be true Bitcoiners. I think at the very first inconvenience that may happen, um, like, for example, we were onboarding people with Blue Wallet and they shut down, you know, they sunsetted their lightning notes. And so some of those people that we had onboarded, even though we got them out, they didn't lose any money. Um, we offered to set them up on a new wallet. They're like, ah, oh, it's inconvenient. You know, I don't, I don't like it. I'm just going to go ahead and go back to using my regular systems. So I think it's important because they, if they don't understand the philosophy behind it, uh, then they won't be true Bitcoiners and they won't be committed to the financial revolution that Bitcoin is. They'll just be using it like a tool, like anything else, you know? Mm-hmm. What, uh, do, do you, do you get any, uh, questions a lot? Like what is, what do people ask, um, or when they first get acquainted with Bitcoin? Is there any common questions? Oh, you know, um, let's see. Of, of course, the scams. Like I said, most people uh, have some story of a cousin or a brother or somebody that got scammed. And so they're like, well, isn't that a scam? Um, there's a, you know, can I get rich quick? Uh, yeah. Which I think that if, if we're honest, most people initially get into Bitcoin on that premise. There's a huge majority of people that just think, okay, if I, I've heard about this Bitcoin, it might be the middle of a, a bull run, and they're like, oh, I can throw some money in there and get rich quick. And, um, you know, that's great if you do. It, it's great if you have good timing and you just happen to get in in the right spot and you make a lot of money. But a lot of people don't. You know, just as easily you can get in at the wrong time and you can put a lot of money in and watch it drop. So it's really, again, it's really important for them to have the education, um, you know, about cycles and the market and about the, the value of the asset in general so that they don't look at it just as a speculative asset to get rich quick, you know, because I think that is what leads most people initially to Bitcoin. And we're trying to turn that paradigm around. And instead of it, people just come to Bitcoin for speculation and to get rich. We really want them to understand. and then. So what happened to me and, and most of the people I know, you start there, you start trying to get rich, 
And then you go down the rabbit hole and you start understanding the philosophy and the freedom and the revolution of it all. But we want to turn that around. We want really people to start at that place. We want people to start understanding the philosophy and start understanding the revolution. And then, you know, understand the value of hodling and investing in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, I suppose, I suppose, uh, as long as they, as long as they understand that the philosophy, um, even if they start with it or they end up realizing it, I, I suppose as long as they do realize it. It's... Yeah, however they get there, we're, we're happy. Yeah. But it just, you don't want people to get a bad taste along the way and quit because, because uh, they thought it was going to be a get rich scam, you know? That's true. That's true. And since they're already like, you know, trying to learn about it, if they get scared, then they might quit forever. And it's, yeah. it's a shame. Okay. Um, do you, do you think, because obviously you've spoken to a lot of Bitcoiners. Um, have you noticed a change in you or in other people Um, character-wise or mentality-wise, the the more they delve into the Bitcoin world, or do you have you noticed any common traits or characteristics personality-wise in Bitcoiners? I think that um, people that are Bitcoiners uh, have a healthy dose of skepticism. Uh, I don't want to call them. You know, conspiracy theorists or cynics or anything like that, but but skepticism in a healthy dose is good, and and really you know not just having the blinders on and you know mulling along with our current financial system and just thinking everything is okay because the news says so and because the government's going to keep propping up the economy. So I think Bitcoiners tend to be deep thinkers and and really look look a little harder into what's going on in the world. And also their freedom lovers, of course. Bitcoiners tend to be uh, people that value their freedom and value their privacy. So can you tell me, you you mentioned earlier a goal that Amity Age has uh, about educating how many people by... by 100 million people by 2030. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I wish that happens, but uh, I know that's what you want to achieve. But do you think it's actually doable? You know, I, again, I, I admit, I can see that it is a, a lofty goal. Um, but the idea, again, is not that myself or Suzelle or Deshaun or our personal crew here at Amity Age is going to touch 100 million people mm-hmm. and, and have personal discussions about Bitcoin. But the goal is that each one of these classes of 100 children and each one of these workshops that we have you know, 30, 50, 100 people at, um, we're getting ready to go to Prague to the Bitcoin conference, um, and we're going to spread our, uh, you know, our Teach the Teachers um, concept. So hopefully we'll have people coming for retreats, coming to the island to learn and then go back to their respective countries and teach. Um, we're going to be doing more online engagement, educational posts. So, yes, I think it's possible. I think the more people that we educate and make them feel confident as educators themselves, the more people that, that lead from us and say, 
okay, I understand this. I'm excited about it. And I'm going to go share it with my neighbor and my friend and my family, with my school. And then those people that they talk to, you know, it's just, it's like the the butterfly effect, you know, the more people that we touch, they'll just spread out. So, yeah, I hope, I I think that it's possible. I really believe that it's possible. I, I never imagined that just in this short amount of time, we opened our doors in September, that we would have already taught a thousand kids. We've already held workshops that have we've directly interacted with almost a thousand kids. And that's just Hondurans and local expats. Uh, I'll be going home this summer. Uh, actually, I'll leave at the end of July to I have a grandbaby coming. So I'm going to spend a couple of months in the States. And I plan to bring MDH to the States. So I've connected with them, like the Tulsa Dow. Um, I plan on visiting my, uh, some places in Dallas uh, that hold Bitcoin uh, meetups and some organizations there. I'm going to visit my old university um, and see if I can hold some workshops there as well. So I, if, I think if we go at it with that, um, with sort of that idea of making educators out of every single person that we we have the opportunity to sit down with and to teach and to communicate with. And even on a casual level, everything doesn't have to be a formal class. It doesn't have to be a workshop. It doesn't have to be a Bitcoin diploma. Um, I was just reading a, a Twitter post the other day, and someone was saying, I think they asked their plumber or somebody if they accepted Bitcoin. And he's like, Actually, I do. I have a wallet, you know. So just starting those conversations with people in your community, taking that opportunity with anybody that you meet. Um, yeah, I think we can make it happen. What, uh, what, what, what does your family think? I mean, I know that you're there with your, um, with your husband and uh, your kids, too. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have two daughters, 12 and 15. Oh, um, so what? So what about your friends, the, the, the ones that you left in, in the U.S. and uh, when you announced them, hey, I'm going to do, well, you didn't know initially that you were going to get into Bitcoin that heavily and deeply, I suppose, yeah. to the point where you're actually educating. But when you did uh, get to that point and now, what about now? What do they think two years later? So initially people thought we were crazy. Because we literally just sold everything and came to a tropical island. I mean, people thought we were absolutely nuts, especially coming from northeast Oklahoma. You've got to understand the culture there. Um, not a lot of world travelers or adventures. So, um, you know, they all thought we would probably be broke within the first year and come home with our tail between our legs and go back to work, you know. Right. Uh, and they certainly weren't Bitcoiners. So, uh They were like, you know, what is this that you're putting your money into? You're going to lose your money. A few family members that had heard about it and were interested, my brother. But as a general rule, they were all serious skeptics, naysayers. Um, Now, fast forward, it gives you a little bit of credibility when you're actually living on a tropical island and and living this lifestyle and, you know, working at the Bitcoin Center. So now they're starting to ask more questions. I've actually gotten several family members, my stepdad. And my mom, who were in their late 60s, almost 70 years old, who I never imagined. I don't even have social media, uh, won't watch any type of mainstream news, like the biggest conspiracy theories. Like, they would just assume that, you know, you're going to lose all your money. There's it's some kind of scam. Uh, yeah, he's already got a cold storage device and a full-blown big plan. So that was, like, one of my biggest accomplishments. Yeah. Accomplishments. 
stepfather orange pills because he's someone who I would have never imagined doing it. Wow. But my whole family is now starting to ask questions. You know, how can I get into it? What, you know, what do I do? Tell me more. They want to be educated. Um, yeah. So it's completely changed their perspective. It, the, the proof of work, as, as Deshaun, my boss, likes to call it. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm the proof of work for, for my family and my friends for Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah, it seems so. Um, okay, so I think we're coming to an end with our lovely discussion. I don't know if you want to add anything else, like, for example, how many hours does does the Amity Age Academy work in the in the week? I mean, during the week? So, um, it's a really flexible position. It's one of the things I love about it because I do have a family and I sort of came here to retire. I didn't really plan to um, work a full-time job, but honestly, I would have been bored to death if that would have happened, so it was a, it was a blessing that it turned out this way, um, but we have amazing flexibility, so like our business hours are 8 to 4, Monday through Friday, and then we very often have events on Saturdays, so I'll go and host an event, but it'll just be for a few hours, you know, three, four-hour windows. Um, sometimes we have events in the evening, so I may work all day and then go to an event at six o'clock in the evening, but I can bring my family and kids, you know, it's usually at a, at a restaurant or somewhere where there's live music and the kids are happy to come and join us and, and eat a meal. So, um, and most, but at the same time, and most, and most importantly, somewhere where Bitcoin is accepted. <laughs> Absolutely. Always when Bitcoin is accepted. But at the same time, I'm able to go home for two months to meet my grandbaby and still do my job there, still spread adoption and, and be part of it all, um, but just a little more casually and a little more laid back while I'm getting to spend time with my family. But we're always working. I mean, honestly, I find myself, even if I'm not at an event, even if it's not business hours, um, I'll go to a restaurant with my family, we'll go to dinner, and I'll ask uh, the waiter, when I go to check out, I'll be like, hey, do you guys accept Bitcoin? And, of course, if they say no, I'm like, well, are you considering it? So I find myself, like, sort of being a, a Bitcoin evangelist everywhere I go. Yeah. <laughs> That's the correct word. Um, uh, okay. Well, Anita, honestly, it was such a lovely uh, chat. I had such a wonderful time speaking to you. You seem such a positive a uh, person and you seem like um content you seem that you know you found kind of what you were looking for in life i don't know you just seem very happy and content and i'm very happy for you and i hope you know all the best with your family and your little grandchild and um keep up the good work amelia jane by the way that's her name amelia jane that's, oh. that's my my shout out to little miss amelia um, but no, I'm glad you said that about the contentment because I, you know, I worked in community mental health. Uh, my degree, I have to say, I it was fulfilling. I did like my work, but I was completely burnt out when I retired and came to Rotan. And I felt like, oh gosh, if I ever go back to work, I would dread doing what I did again. This is not, this is completely out of my wheelhouse. Nothing I ever even imagined myself doing even when I invested in Bitcoin I was just going to invest in Bitcoin again trying to make some money um it's just I don't know it was just pure serendipity that I ended up here of all time we picked this place because you know it's got the Mesoamerican barrier reef one of the best diving spots in the world and my husband wanted to be a diver 
uh, and everything else just sort of fell into place. So, pure serendipity. That it sounds like a wonderful story, and it's not even a story; it's your life. So I'm I'm very happy to 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 hear and learn about that. Um, I honestly I wish you all the best in everything you do. Keep up the good work and uh, enjoy you. your time back home uh, in July. Thank you, and it was an honor. I really appreciate you guys inviting me. Of course, it was an honor for us too. Thank you so much. Have a lovely rest of your day. You too.